Hello and welcome to the Comedians Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to comedians, comedy promoters, podcasters, people from across the comedy world that are living the comedy life on their unique terms. Now today we have a guy all the way from Wales. His name is Chris Davies. He is a gangster comedian all the way in Wales. He is conquering so many shows. He promotes shows in Wales. He's already told me he, he even can do comedy in Welsh. He's even, he's even done comedy for Druids and he's an honorary Druid. So if you, Hecklers, if you mess with him, he'll do magic on you. Please welcome <laughs> the brilliant Chris Davies. Hello, how are we doing, all right? <laughs> not too bad, not too bad. <laughs> is is any, any of what I said false? No, no, it's not false. I, I haven't learned magic as yet. I'm still waiting to learn that. Um, but everything else you said is bang on. I'm definitely gangster, a gangster comedian, uh, and yeah, and the, the Welsh mafia and all that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you can do comedy in Welsh. Yeah. Uh, well, um, essentially, I had nothing to do in lockdown, um, and then my job paid me to learn Welsh. I'm a, I'm a youth worker in the day. Uh, so instead of using it for my job, I used it for comedy, uh, and I started doing some some Welsh things as well. Uh, yeah, so it's gone through. I did the last two weeks ago. I did the I said fun. Uh, the I said that is our national Welsh cultural festival. Happens every year. It's a big deal um, for Welsh speakers and things like that. So um, yeah, it was good. I was on the lunar stage as always. TV pretty machine. Um, and it was very good. It was good fun. Uh, the only downside was uh, I had some notes just to prompt myself. I had an ocular migraine just before I went on, so I couldn't see anybody's faces, and I really I couldn't see my notes. But luckily, I'd rehearsed it enough that I remembered it, so I was okay. But uh, <laughs> yeah, been a bit mad. I did one before, um, and it's part of my set now, which is true. Uh, I was telling a joke, and I said my and that means my dog. It actually sounded like I said Mamgi, which means my nan. So, <laughs> so the joke is about my dog uh, trying to have trying to have sex with a horse on a family camping trip. Unfortunately, the audience thought I was telling a joke about my nan trying to have sex with a horse. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I wondered when I was telling it why I was getting such an odd response. Uh, and then the guy asked us, you know, you say the joke about camping. I said, yeah, is it? You're talking about your dog uh, or your nan? I was like, oh, my dog. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, yeah. But yeah, so that's part of my set. <laughs> <laughs> so is, is, the, is doing comedy in Welsh, like, is it is it same set of punchline or is it a lo- lot longer? Because I, I heard... No, the, 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 the sentence structure is a bit different. Um, and sometimes... Uh, like in the I said, but I'll, I'll still do the punchline in English because it's just just the way that the the structure of the sentence works. It wouldn't really work in Welsh, if you know what I mean. And because my my Welsh vocabulary is a bit basic, it's easier to do uh, the punchline sometimes in English. If I can do the whole thing in Welsh, I will. But if I just can't explain it enough, in I'll I'll, I'll do that and and. The crowd in the ice they were very, very accommodating of that, and they were good. I, I you know, I explained to them at the beginning, they're only been learning reading for like a year, 
um, and a really nice, really supportive crowd. It was, it was good fun. So, yeah, um, I did a song in Welsh as well to do a bit of music. So, because uh, I started doing that, so, so it's easier to commit the set to memory if I kind of sing it, and then I realised, oh, well, I, I can just put this in a song. So that was interesting to do. So I did that as well, and uh, I think I drove everyone berserk just in the house, just can't. Cause the thing is, it's pronunciation, and I get this what halfway through the song, and I always mispronounce it. I have to start again, and it was just driving, every, including the neighbours. They were just like, shut up! <laughs> I was never finishing the song, and then I was screaming uh, with a different pass it, but luckily, yeah, it all went really well. It was a nice weekend, so yeah. I, I don't really know much about Wales. I've only been a couple of times to Wales. I've never gigged there, never performed there. All I know is I watched Big Brother with uh, Imogen Thomas and some other guy in Big Brother and I was speaking in Welsh and I've watched Torchwood. That's all I know about Wales and I know that your rugby team competes very well with the English. And one of my friends says that him and his mates went over to Cardiff and are really loud and boisterous and then the bouncer mm. took him away because he was in a dodgy pub and some of them hated the English. <laughs> okay, well, the rugby culture is is like Max Day in Cardiff. There's nothing like it because the stadium is right in the middle of the city. Everything is just all geared about the match. My wife is English and she thought uh, naively that well, no match was on. She could go shopping in Cardiff and didn't realise that everybody's drunk. That you know you're stepping over people to get into. It's just the whole city is there on the pitch for for the rugby. And we're not anti-English during the rugby or anything like that. Everything. I mean, I, I went to a match between England and, and and Wales, and it was great fun. It was banter. We were sat with the English fans. It's lovely. The only ever negative experience I've had was England versus Wales in the football. But that wasn't because of England and Wales. That was because you had Swansea and Cardiff fans in the same stadium. Ah. And that, that was a nasty atmosphere. I didn't enjoy that. But, but yeah, on the whole, everything's fine, really. And um, yeah, if some people want to be like that, but there's a minority, essentially. The more, the more people that are there to have a laugh with and have a drink with, everybody's fine. It's just a, it's a nice experience, I think. So you said Swansea and Cardiff. Is there a bit of a beef like there is with Glasgow and Edinburgh? Yes, massive. Football-wise, yeah, there, there's, there's always... That, they're the two loggerhead teams. That, um, if it is a derby, then it's, it's, it's pretty tasty between the, the two towns, definitely. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. What was what, what, yeah. that about? I think there's always been a rivalry, really. I think that the Swansea kind of is, is like the gateway to the West um, and, and and all that type of stuff. That's the, 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 and then Cardiff is, is kind of Wenglish, it's kind of Anglicised. It's very much the, the English um, influence is kind of there. Not so much now. We're getting more, it's more cultural now in Cardiff and it's very, very Welsh in its heritage. But it's, I think it's just wrongly seen that way. There's more Anglicised, there's more um, it's more influenced by England, and in that way, there's kind of an animosity there. There's, there's always the thing that, that perhaps Swansea should have been the, the capital, but then people up in North Wales would, would argue that somewhere up there should have been the capital. There's always the thing, and I think 
it's part of Welsh culture as well, going down to valleys, having beef with other valleys and things like that, really. I think it's just football is just the thing that brings that out in them. Because rugby, it doesn't happen, you know? Rugby's fine, but the football, yeah, it does. Yeah. Football's very troubles, incredibly troubles. <laughs> My God. And one thing I have noticed is that in like Scotland or Ireland, they've not as kept up with the Gaelic speech as much as Wales has. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for I can't really speak for, for Scottish for Gaelic and things, but for, for Welsh people, um, we were like Welsh was banned, the English tried to stop us speaking Welsh. Um, and that's why it's it's more spoken in, in, in North Wales now than South. But I think as time has gone on, like now, like I work for local authority in a day, so they've had funding to try and get as many people speaking Welsh as possible, in the, so we can have a bilingual kind of service and an existence and things. And I think now more people are getting switched back onto, and it's easier now. You've got Duolingo, you've got other ways you can learn now. It's a lot more accessible. Um, but I think that I think it's our mentality really that it's ours, and it was tried, it was, we tried to take it away from us, so we're trying to keep it. But then there's other people in Wales who, who don't really care. They just crack on speaking English and and they don't they've got no interest in it. But I, I, I definitely think that it's rising the number of people who want to speak Welsh now. And I've really enjoyed it because I never bothered before. I hated learning languages in school. I hated school. <laughs> but through um lockdown, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. And be able to, to do gigs now is great. And it's a bit more frightening because I'm it's, it's a bit more nerve-wracking because you don't know if you're saying things the right way or whatever. So you just, you don't know if it's going to land. It's, it's a really it's it's a, it's a real challenging thing to do. Um, and, and when it goes well and when they laugh and they get it, it's like oh thank God, you know, it's it's, it's another another thing to do. So yeah, it's interesting. But I think it's just that we're very kind of passionate about our history, really. So yeah, it's it's a part of our identity, and and we want to push it forward. Really. It's it's. And because of that sort of passion, identity, does that that must give because it's such a specialized gig when you do it in that that must does it in some ways mean that you get paid more than or it's easy to get audiences as well for that sort of well, gig? Then it's harder. You don't get as many people in the gig down south um, from from my experience, but the the pool of people um, that speak well. Is smaller, so opportunities are a bit more, a bit, a bit more in your grasp than they are. So, like with S4C, which is our Welsh speaking channel, um, I pitched an idea to BBC Wales about something English speaking BBC Wales, and I didn't hear back from them for ages. I pitched an idea to S4C. I had a meeting with the commissioner and officer that afternoon. You know, it's because there's less people, and, and they're really trying to get. They really try to get young people involved now. So if we get young people speaking Welsh and, and regenerate that, then it, it just increases the language and what they can show and all that type of stuff. You know, so in certain cases, speaking Welsh opens doors that, that wouldn't be open to otherwise in Wales. Hmm. But yeah, it gives it gives you more opportunities because I spoke to a comedian in India and he's Bengali and he's he's got a massive following like two hundred thousand bengali people supporting him but the biggest opportunities for comedy in india uh english and, and hindi but yeah. having and he's in a position where he's decided does he just focus on a bengali 
or does he focus on Hindi? Yeah, yeah, it, it is that. I mean, I'm I'm nowhere near. Um, I got I got some friends who are uh, first language Welsh, and and watching them gigging Welsh is a completely different thing to watching me gig. Watching me gigging Welsh is like a foul mouthed toddler making his way through, <laughs> you know, broken broken speech. Um, but the, the SOC are really good. Uh, I think there's been some, some of my friends have been on SOC, they've done comedy, stand-up comedy and things. So there is a scene there that's growing. Um, but the biggest, you know, is, is obviously speaking in English. Um, it, it, it's just about looking for the opportunities and narrowing the pool because obviously the age I am, the gender I am, all that type of stuff. We're so heavy with, with, with white blokes because we're all talking about similar things. It's such a difficult demographic to be in. You've got to look for other ways to try and make yourself different. Because, I mean, I mean you know that just by going around gigs, it's very difficult. I think that's one of the hardest things in comedy for anybody really, is to try and be original. And, and when you've got loads of other people who are very similar to yourself, you're always going to have some sort of crossover. So to try and make yourself as individual as possible, I think is really difficult. So something like a, a different language, obviously, a different culture, you've got different things to talk about that's more interesting for the audience as well. Um, you know, so it should always be explored. But there is a flip side to that in that <clears throat> when you are different and you do stand up, you are, I mean, you're going to get picked on more. You're going to get a lot of people, a lot of comedians are very fixated on like the George Carlin, the, you see the Mock the Week kind of comedy. And with acts that are occasionally a bit mad, a bit wild, and do things that are completely off colour, they do try and, I mean, I've had it myself, I'm a character act, I play Zora. So you have a lot yeah. of people that uh, are a bit against that because it's against what their view of comedy is. And they feel yeah. safer doing comedy than as they've seen it. Yeah. And one of the things as well, in certain gigs like Comedy Store Gong Shows, a lot of big clubs in London have gong shows to get people in. And it tends to suit a certain style of comic. And mm. I haven't seen many alternative comedians get through that sort of show. It's like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And it is a bit like that. But like, looking at it from a purely a promoter point of view, because like I've got two new material like, and then one professional like, in a, in a theatre. When I do that theatre gig, I want to make each act as different as possible for the audience because it's just boring. If everybody's saying, you know, if everyone's very good, that's one thing. But if everybody's kind of talking around the same sort of thing, it does kind of get a bit dull. And I and and I think that I think that you always have people who feel threatened by people who are different or coming from a different area, or, or think that people are getting a leg up for being different. But I think that's an ignorant view because if you are in a minority or you're from a different background and you're trying to get into a scene that's so densely populated with that. Um, you've got to be excellent to kind of get through that, you know, and whoever you are, you've got to have resilience to be a comedian because you just, I mean, you know, like most people, our, our work fit to ourselves. We do one little thing that maybe the audience haven't known about and you just beat yourself up all the way home in the car about. But then when you've got other people on top of you trying to be pushy with you and things like that as well, it, it, it's a tough gig. But purely from a promoter point of view, I, I'd like to have as varied people as possible. Like if I've got someone like yourself, a character act, that's brilliant. I don't want another character act that night. Yeah. Because I want that person to stand out. 
and then I'll have someone different. And I like to have that variation because it's just fun to the audience. It, it really hypes them up. Like you've got a character acting Wales um, for Welsh Jesus. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it's as funny as it sounds. He's great. He's great. He really ramps the audience up and he really pops and it makes them, it gives the energy to the match. Like where you have, like I notice it sometimes where I do a bit of music. It just, it's just something different. It, it kind of it changes. It makes people pay attention. So to have a very um, bill of comedians, it, it's great. If, if everybody is the same, coming from the same background, talking about the same thing, it's just like oh, you know, you want it to be, you want it to be like like open place. You want it to have different flavors, different different things going on. You know, you want it, It's more exciting for everybody. But if you are going to be different, do something about it. You better be good, and you better have thick skin to deal with all the crap that comes through it. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think it takes a lot of guts, really. Uh, comedy in itself, on its own, is is a big challenge. Uh, but if you believe in, like, if you believe in Zorro and you believe in our character, then yeah, just go for it, you know, and keep going for it, and just just find the the fun within. Because you know, as long as you're enjoying it, then. Thing. I think one of the other hardest things to do is to appreciate where we are. Because my wife always says to me, you're always concerned about the next thing. It's like, well, just appreciate where you are right now. You're having fun, you're enjoying it. Yeah, well, why worry about anything else? And just concentrate on keeping enjoying it. And then the development will come. You know, but I think I've never done a character act. And, and the people I've seen doing character acts, I think it does take a lot of that. You're immediately setting yourself up before you've opened your mouth. <laughs> and you often hurt your own voice as well <laughs> yeah yeah I, I imagine yeah yeah it would be so i don't know if i'd like to try it i don't know what character i do i don't know i don't know but um i got respect you anyway definitely i think it takes it takes guts to do and uh and it, and it can really like i said with, with our one it, it, with our um well jesus it, it does it makes make the audience pop. It does it's, it's something different and it gets people going, you know. And and you've got to kind of if the audience responds in a positive way, you're already ahead because they've bought into your character. So you can you can play with that, you can do crowd work with that, you can get them doing all different things because it's a novelty where whereas when you're just you, you've got to work to get that response. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, when it works, I think it can work brilliantly. It's yeah. It, there's there's a lot of um, have you have you looked at the posts of the Edinburgh Fringe Forum and some of the things that have been going at the moment because there's a comedian who won the Dave Joker the Fringe and yeah. already comedians are having a go at her and it's a bit like it's nothing like it's it's it's, it's, it's let her do a thing she even says it's not that big a it's just a silly little it gives a award that gives a bit of publicity it's not a big deal. This is it. I think that the, we're such a, you know, let's, let's be honest, the industry is made up of, of all of us wanting to push ourselves and things to be all about us. And in doing that, it's really easy to, to get wrapped up in what everybody else is doing. And then it's even easier then from that way to start getting jealous and start going down the bitter drive. It doesn't surprise me. I think it would be, more would be more surprising to everybody going, oh, well done. Awesome, good for you, but no one does. That's crap. And it's it, you know, we're we're crap at that. We're crap at being supportive. I think the first response is to try and tear something down because it's not us. And I think that's the problem. 
Are we comedians too different to what you encounter in your other job in terms of the characters? Because working hospitality, I've seen a lot of traits that are very similar in comedians to people in hospitality. Well, I've been in UK for 20 years now, um, and I work in uh, predominantly in uh, things like sexual health and some heavy stuff, like where the young people have been groomed and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, it's a kind of heavy stuff. But to do that job, you've got to have a sense of humour. You've got to be able to be to get on with it. You can't be overcome with because I hear some horrific stuff, but I also do some great stuff. Like I spend a lot of time this summer kayaking and canoeing with young people uh, and all that, all that kind of stuff. You know, some of my friends, they haven't really got a job because they're working on site. I'm on a nice reservoir enjoying the set, you know. Um, but the type of people that are able to do that type of stuff, I've got a different way of looking at life that enables them to cope with some of the stuff they hear. So, yeah, I do see a lot of, a lot of traits, a lot of ways of making something that's bad, kind of dealing with it through humour and that type of thing. And also with like, I'm not just staff, with, with the young people we work with, enabling them to try and look at things in a different way as well. Because um, I think as soon as you can change the narrative of something to make it, you can kind of deal with it. You're giving power to the person who's, who's the survivor of it or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, but I also have, because of the job we do, we do encounter people who've got uh, maybe like a, a different view of the world. And you think, oh my God, you've never, they say stuff we shouldn't say anything. You never get away with that for a comedian. You, you know, you'd be cancelled straight away, that kind of thing. But I, I think I get a lot of inspiration for my job because it's, it's a bit of a different job. You know, like I spent a lot of time in school teaching teenagers how to put condoms on rubber willies. That's part of the, the stuff I do. Yeah. Um, we also drive around in a, in a mini bus doing it's like a mobile sexual health van. So essentially, we're driving around places distributing condoms. There's, so there's lots of um, different things that I do that are quite bizarre that I can draw comedy from as well, just because of the situation, you know, not punching down, just, just me basically, because. I mean, you might have been my kid, but I'm the guy that comes down to school with condoms and, and I work in the schools that my kids are in, you know, and it's just, that's the threat. It's like, you know, you've got to behave, otherwise I'll be doing sexual health lessons for you in your class, you know, and I'll, I've never had a day's trouble with it. <laughs> never actually done that, and I wouldn't, but yeah, so I, yeah, but I think there's, there's loads of characters, especially in the care industry, because of some of the stuff you've got to deal with. Sometimes anyway you can deal with it is, is to, to use humour with it, you know? Is, do you, com a lot of people say that comedians have something wrong with them and in some ways we're a sad clown. We let out a lot of our trauma on stage in some way or another. Yeah, um, I, well, all of my stuff that I talk about has happened to me. I obviously embellish some stuff and things, but yeah, and, and a lot of it is, um, you know, stuff that I've maybe struggled with or, or have been poignant because they it hurt me in a way. Like I do, my dad um, ran off with another woman before my birthday when I was, uh, I was 15, 16, something like that. And it'd been going on for ages and we didn't know. We'd basically be having an affair for two years. We, we couldn't even doubt. And the only way we kind of knew something was up was because 
he was taking things with him every time he left and he stole all the spoons. <laughs> it's really bizarre. But so I use that now. I use that in my, because it's such a bizarre thing. I do a song about it, where's all the spoons? And just, it's obviously it was painful for me at the time. But now, because it's, it's real and it's quite different, but yeah, it's good to use, you know, and, and it kind of, yeah, it does help anyway. And, it, and I kind of, I think I always look for stuff that has happened to me, because I think that's a safe area as well, is where you were the butt of the joke and it's happened to you and you can make fun of it, then that's better for the audience. You're not making fun of anybody else. You were putting yourself in the, as the fall guy and inviting everybody to laugh laugh with you, you know. And I think that it does help therapeutically, but also help anyway because you know, you're not attacking anybody to do so. No. If w- would you recommend stand up comedy to your kids? Because I spoke to another comic and he says no, because like all the trauma and all the, like the hard things you have to go to to get through of it. It's nothing, he wouldn't suggest it. He would say, like, do something else, like do be an accountant or get a good job or something. He definitely wouldn't recommend stand-up. No, I, 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 with my kids, no, I don't, I wouldn't. Um, definitely not my daughter. I just don't think she would, she would enjoy it at all. My son, possibly, because he loves making people laugh. But then he will, he gets embarrassed if I just talk to him in public. So I don't know if he, he's willing to, <laughs> if he's willing to embarrass himself in front of strangers, I don't know. But yeah, looking at the kind of mental health side of things, it's not someone I would wish on somebody else. I think I feel like I, I have to do it. Um, because I've always, I, I always, I have to do something creative, otherwise I go nuts. I've got to do something. And stand-up comedy is the most instant thing because I've been, um, I was in a band when I was a teenager and I was fun, but it didn't kind of work out. Um, then I tried doing um, screenplays, I was writing screenplays for TV, but that process is long and I'm dyslexic as well. So it was really difficult, especially with my wife, so I had to correct my spelling. Um, but it was such a long process to do and then have the feedback. And I was just like, well, well what can I do with instant? And then of course with comedy, because you think of it, you do it, you get your response from the audience and you can, you can work at it. Um, and I don't think there's anything that comes close to being as quick and as instant creatively because you can just do it, you know? And even if you're not on TV, you're not doing anything, you can still get an open mic night and do it. It's just accessible. It's right there for you, you know? And I don't think that anything will replace that. Really. Um, but that, that's me. I don't think my kids are like that. They've got other avenues that they get as much enjoyment out of with less pain <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is it's a it's an interesting one it's if would you do you think you would have always been a comedian do you think this is like built in your blood like there was things when you were younger that led you to be the comedian you are now i think i was always the the dickhead of the group that did stupid things not necessarily deliberately to be funny but I'd always end up being the one who was laughed at in a sense, in the stupid things of them. But yeah, I, I think so. I think that I wanted to be a musician. I want, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and it, it didn't happen. And when I look back now, it's so obvious that it wouldn't, but I was convinced that it would. I was convinced I was the, the next generation Kirk Cobain, um, but I was absolutely not. Um, <laughs> 
but I just think, yeah, I, I think if I look back now, I can I can just see the road to it, definitely. And I think, yeah, because I, I really enjoyed making people laugh. I didn't necessarily think I was particularly funny. My, my close friends say, make fun of me now. They say, well, you're not even the funniest out of us. That's how supportive they are. But um, yeah, I think I was always always going to end up doing it, definitely. I mean, just the way that it, my life is now, it, it, it just is, because that's what I want to do. It's it's funny, isn't it? I I agree. I I've had a similar thing as well because a lot of the funniest people I know are actually my Asian relatives, and they it's funny. They are a lot funnier than me, but they've never decided to do stand up. If they wanted to, they would. Yeah, they would be incredible at it, but they never never bothered to do it. And I think a lot of comedians find that they have friends that are just as funny or even funnier than them, but they don't want to do it. Yeah, my my friends. Um, I'm conscious and quiet around them because I'm just sitting there listening to them they just make me laugh the way that they talk the things that they say everything I just I, I love being around them just the kind of banter and the way we relate to each other my, my close friends you know and then um, yeah and absolutely but like about conversations it's, it's a different thing isn't it being funny with your friends and then getting up on stage and being funny to strangers because my friends we all know each other and that's you're already away there, aren't you? You know how to make fun of someone, you know how far you can go, it's all laid out for you. But when you go to a room full of strangers, you don't know any of those things. That's that's another challenge. That's a different thing, isn't it? You know, so but yeah. Um I'm certainly not the funniest out of my friends, but I don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, they'd not get off on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's what yeah, it's it's incredible. Comedy is an amazing thing. It's there's all sorts of things. You never know what's going to happen. I had a mad moment at the fringe um, a couple of days ago. I said to these bunch of drunks, so I was dressed in a Zoa, right? And they <laughs> they really wanted to go because I was dressed as Zoa, and they thought it was a bit of you know the, they were saying, "You're Zolo." I said, "Yes, senor, I am." Uh, would you like to come and join in? It's a stock show, and you'll get to join in a bit. And then they said, yeah. And then they go and join in it, and they really join in. And my friend who was running the show completely lost it. And no, he dealt with it well. They were yeah. completely gone. He dealt, he dealt with it very well. He got rid of them. But right. I think the thing that was... Yeah, but they went to him and told them I said that they could heckle when I said no, they could join in and get involved with it. And then it, it, uh, it and then then they got into a whole period where someone told another person about it, and they mistook it and said, "I heard that you told someone to heckle." And then yeah, it, it, then the, uh, one of the things that can be a bit iffy is comedians will twist what you say to make you look a certain way to. Yeah, it happens. I mean, it happens. How do you deal with hecklers then when you dress as Zorro? Do you have different comebacks to it or what do you do? Do you just threaten them with a sword? I do run a hecklers and that, which is a lot of fun. And like, if you, yeah, I rec recommend anyone running it because it's a hilarious show. It's unpredictable. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's, it's difficult because as me, maybe I could, if I'm in a sharp mindset, I'll think of a comeback, but then I've got to think, myself and then the character so it's a bit slower than it would be i don't if, if someone says the same insult again they often get the same insults so if yeah. someone repeats the same insults i've i i adjust to it so if yeah. someone says um 
oh, I'm weird or something. And I get that occasionally. I just Okay. say, um, a wolf doesn't care about the opinion of sheep. Or I say something like, um, I guess I've got to stop hanging around you. But it, I get a lot of the same insults. I think we all do that. Based on a look, you're going to get the same insults. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah so it's a different challenge, isn't it? Being a character act, as, as you said, you, you can't really respond as yourself. You gotta, because if you do, you kind of break in character and you lose it, man. So to keep the character act, yeah, another challenge. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, we we often get the same insults, though, don't we? With me and you, we all get certain insults. If we go enough gigs, the insults are going to be the same. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Do you run any roast battles in uh, Wales? Because it's a big <laughs> no, thing. uh, oh it was it was one like I live in a place called Bridgend, which is in between Cardiff and Swansea, and it's kind of a county, and at the centre of it is a town. Um, and I've been trying for ages to get gigs to work in the, in here because a lot of the people complain, oh, there's nothing here. So I put gigs on and I get really good people to play and then no one turns up. So I just, I, it's annoying. So I found this pub and they wanted to do a comedy night. And I thought, okay, I'll do it. I'll close it and we'll see if it works. Um, and then we were thinking about doing a roast battle with the rowdy crowd. And then I got to thinking about it afterwards. And I said, no, because it would just be horrific. And, you know, I, I'll tell you, the, the opening act went on And then a woman stood up and then just collapsed. And no one did anything about it. Uh, we, I went to her husband. I said, sure. said, yeah, yeah, she'd get up in a minute. And then she got up and sat back down. And everyone just hurried on as if nothing had happened. Said, okay. And then when I was on, uh, a bloke was chucked out because his partner was giving him his birthday present. Um, I don't know how much we can say. Am I allowed to swear? She's basically sucking him off. <laughs> that's how rough this place was and it was like really it was like a harvester that kind of vibe um and so yeah we were thinking of doing a roast battle but I thought, no it would get so rowdy and so mental in there it would just spill over there are roast battles here so i, I i'm interested in putting one on uh but that's the closest i've come to it and then immediately gone No, <laughs> it was just nice. Yeah. It is entertaining, I have to say. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, I want to do one. Uh, we were going to do one before, I think, before COVID, and then uh, obviously that I got sidelined. Um, yeah, uh, they're, they're interesting uh, nights, and I think it's good. And is it like I've got a group of comedians that I'm, I'm quite close with as well? I think we could have a good roast battle because we know a lot about each other. Um, but we know each other personally, so it wouldn't get big, big, you know what I mean? It would be good. It could be very quite insulting, but in a good way. Like when they had it on TV, I think it was it Bobby May and um, Kelms needed a roast, roast battle, and they're a couple. So it got really kind of personal, but funny, you know, and I love that. I think that if you've got a good relationship with someone you can push, I Yeah. think you can get a lot of, lot of, lot of laughs out of that. Yeah. I loved how she kept on saying to him, I love you, after each joke. He said, just get on with the joke. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he's really good. I was supposed to support him, um, Bobby, uh, this weekend coming, but he's not doing it now in Cornwall. I'm done in Cornwall. Yeah. I've, I've actually supported both of them um, 
in Torquay the, uh, before COVID. They were both on and it was great. It was lovely to them. Uh, yeah, so I really enjoyed the roast battle. I thought it was great, really good dynamic. We've, do you gig much? So you've been in the fringe before, right? And you've gigged in different parts of the UK. Yeah, I haven't been to Edinburgh yet. That's, I, I kind of want to make sure I've got a show first. I, I have been able to go up there, but I just haven't. I thought I want to go up there with some complete. But I do gig outside of Wales a bit, yeah. Um, I've got, I think the furthest I've been up is uh, Derby. I've got a couple of things in Derby. Uh, Newcastle and the line, and then all the way down the other end, then Cornwall and Porky, uh, all over. I've got a van, um, basically, so I'll just drive, and then if it's too long, I'll keep in the back of the van. Fair enough, yeah. So, yeah, and I like gigging outside of Wales and then coming back because, you know, being Welsh and gigging in Wales is a lot of, not in jokes, but a lot of local references that you can make and stuff. And then we kind of get into a bit of a comfort zone you know, as soon as you're outside of it it's like oh i don't know that that won't work how am i going to say that and it's a bit more of a challenge then to try and get your jokes over like the first time we gigged in london um i was so naive and, and did a lot of welsh references and no one no one really understood and no one really gave a toss about either you know what I mean? <laughs> so it was it was a bit of an eye-opener um but a good experience on the whole because it's like, right, okay. But I was just totally naive about it because obviously there's so much going on in London that when you get, when you get a gig there, you've got to be, you've got to really kind of hammer it, you know, nail it essentially. Rather than just going, oh, I'll just do this, it'll be fine. You're like, well, no, well. <laughs> yeah. We often think that things we know that everyone knows. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, and that, that's totally on me. I mean, I just assume. That people, I mean, do you know Port Albert? No, what's that? Exactly. So Port Albert is a place that everybody knows around here because it's in between, um, it's on the way to Swansea and it's a massive uh, steelwork in the town. Right. And in the night, it looks like um, Blade Runner. It's just, it's huge. And it's, it's, the M4 goes past it. So everybody in Wales knows it when they go on holiday to Westwards because the smell of the steelwork it's horrific. It, it just comes into the car and you know you're going past Port Albert. So obviously, anyone who's in the south or west of Wales, you can make any joke or take, make fun of Port Albert, everybody will know it and instantly laugh because it's Port Albert. But I thought, because of the, the company that owns it, called Tartar Steel, and it was on the news quite a lot because of redundancies and stuff. So I wrongly assumed that people in London would be aware of that, and they weren't. They'd never clear what I was talking about. <laughs> oh. um, but you know that's that coming from a town going to like a mega city and not really doing your homework essentially so yeah hmm. that's an interesting point hmm. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh. the, the dog's not happy dog, yeah. how are you doing you alright <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but that, um, <laughs> Right, calm down. For <laughs> <laughs> my old animal. Um, yeah, but that, that's the thing. Because I think I'm in London next month. So it's good to have the challenge again of, of trying. Because you can talk about, obviously, you can talk about being Welsh and being from Wales and different things in Wales, but you've got to explain it rather than assume it. I think that's the difference. Let people into that. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to 
because the, the poor Talbot joke, as I said, it, it comes with judging. I know I just say it around there and we get a laugh because everybody knows poor Talbot, but it's not, it's usually a segue to something else. It's not worth me explaining poor Talbot because it's not going to pay off. So it's good then to look at your set and just cut out all the kind of what you would maybe say is an easy joke and just go for the, the well-crafted stuff maybe, you know? Yeah. You you said, but one thing that you said that was I found really interesting is you said Wales is very it, each each part of Wales is almost like a different comedy scene, and you've got to become like a different act for each 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 part. Yeah, that is yeah yeah, yeah because if you, like if you play the gig the, like Valley's gig, you know it's. If it's like a rugby club on a Saturday night, you know that's going to be a rowdy game. You know, you could potentially have hecklers, but it won't be angry, horrible. It'll be people just getting involved and you've got to open yourself to the fact that you're going to have that type of thing. Um, whereas then you play like West Wales. They, they're very grateful. They're very, they're just sitting there listening and they'll get involved. And it'll be a bit more of a chilled vibe. But then Cardiff again, it is like a different vibe again, you know, um, and it, it does, and it can change between within a matter of miles because there's little microcosms of communities everywhere. There's the dog, and everybody's got, um, you know, different ways of looking at things, and and I think that's that's why the welcome is quite good because you, you can double up and have different experiences everywhere you play, and it does. If you've got stuff that works in all these environments, then you know you've got stuff that will work probably pretty much anywhere, really. And that's, that's good. It's, it's a good training ground, I think. And there's lots of new material nights down here. There's, there's loads of places to get gigs and, and, and get on. Um, you can really, you know, you can really get a home yourself um, and, and just enjoy comedy because it's a, it's a nice community of people and everyone is looking for new people. To bring through the nights and things, and it's, it's supportive. Car shares are always fun, you know. It's, um, yeah, I think it's a lovely place to be, really. It's a nice vibe. What What are some like good good comedy clubs or good good um, like? With each scene, there's a, each person I've spoken to. There's always people that they really sort of pioneer, like great comedy clubs, are great people. Um, who are like people in the Welsh scene that you really admire and that think are brilliant? And what are comedy clubs that you think people should check out other than your own? I think anyone would say, um, well, there's, there's a few, like, like, like there's, there's Noel James who's been going for a long, long time. And he was on Britain's Got Talent a couple of years back. He did really well. He's kind of like a stalwart of the scene, and you watch him, um, and you can just completely just tear a room apart. It's, it's, it's something to behold to watch him. He gives in Wales, outside of Wales, he does Welsh language gigs, everything. Um, and he's just, uh, he, well, you'd say he's a genius, really, to watch him. He's absolutely brilliant. We've then got our, our own import, um, Ignacio Lopez, who's even the friend in a minute. Uh, he obviously Spanish, but lives in Swansea, so he's built a lot about the kind of clash of cultures and things like that. Um, so he's got pioneering. And then we've got uh, other people who are kind of up and coming, uh, the, the, one of my close friends, Stephen Evans, is doing really, really well. He's in the Glees and stuff like that now. 
Um, again, he can do both English and Welsh gigs, and he runs nights. Uh, the, the gigs are places to come in the, around here. Um, there's, sorry, shut up! <laughs> I got, oh. um, Stone Circle Comedy Club, uh, they run a few different comedy clubs, professional clubs, and they, they're really good, really well run evenings. They bring people in from outside of Wales, but also promote up and coming people on the Welsh scene as well. So they're very good. Um, we've obviously got the Glee in Cardiff, which you can go to um, kind of on that kind of professional level. Um, there's ones in West Wales, like they mentioned, Stephen Evans, he runs the Trahale farm gig, uh, literally converted barn, but it's such a good, a good night in the middle of a farm. Um, and it's all, there's a stage in there, everything. It's such a lovely environment to be in. It's, it's, it's a great laugh. It's really good. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many people coming through as well and so many kind of different things. I mean, we've got, obviously, we've got Kiwi Pritchard McLean who's, who's doing really well on a, on a national level. Um, and I think we've got other people coming through like, um, like uh, Mel Owen is coming up um, and um, Prior, I think she's up there now. I'm going to <laughs> but um, we've got loads of people like like breaking through from from different communities and things like that as well. So so rich and versatile at the moment. Um, and that's the nice thing about Wales is you're gigging around, you'll end up on the bill with those people as well. You can see them work and stuff like that. So it's, it's a good learning environment too. Mm -hmm. And. In what and also why 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 is London a better comedy scene than Wales? I'm just, no, so England better. No I'm joking. I don't know. I mean, what I say? I don't know. I, I would I I wouldn't say. I don't think I've experienced enough of the England scene. Although I've gigged all over. Um, shut yeah. up. But even that with a song, but even, <laughs> even that with a Welsh thing, because I haven't really digged in North Wales that much. And that's a different place again. You know, I've done mid Wales, South Wales, West Wales, but not really North Wales. I've done, I've, I've gone the Midlands in England and I've done down, down South and I've done London, but not really, I'm Birmingham and all that. But I've not really done all over to give a good thing. I mean, the, the, the craziest gig I think I've done or the funniest gig to me was in a place called Birmingham, the Hollybush. You heard of the Hollybush? Um, the whole, an outside gig, it was just after COVID, where there was, there was some restrictions on. So we were outside. And as I'm doing the gig, the owner of the pub is burning doors in a cast iron bar in front of me. So he's even walking, I'm talking to the audience, and he's walking past me with a door and then just burning it in the bar in the middle of the gig, it's just nuts, you know? And everybody was just there with all this black smoke pumping out and stuff. And it was just, it was just a mad kind of environment for a brilliant pub and a brilliant audience and a good laugh. It's just, just a really kind of strange environment to be in. I think the pub is condemned uh, because like the, there's no electricity in there. The toilets are lit by, um, uh, what are they? Um, the scented candles, the most romantic toilet I've ever been in. You know, there's all different scented candles in there and stuff like that. 
Um, and the signs of the toilet just say, is it just says bog? <laughs> but the, the audience were absolutely brilliant. And it was a re, it was one of the really good gigs. And it was just, I think it was the first gig I did just after COVID that it was lovely to do because it was such a nice, warm audience and a really supportive vibe. It was um, because I'm gigs for ages. It was lovely to do. You know, it was really hmm. The comedy is the mad place, eh? <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I like the variation of places. Like the gig I was talking about earlier in Ponticlean, um, that because if anybody can come in at any point, I think my friend was entering it for me because I was booked somewhere else. And he spent, this is in the early days of it, I think he spent a good 10, 15 minutes calming the room down, getting them ready, explaining the rules, all that type of stuff. And he just got the mic. And then a cricket team came in and started celebrating the match that he won, and the whole room just went berserk again. <laughs> or I did the second gig I did in there. This old woman was waiting for a taxi with a shopping trolley full of shopping. She just sat in the corner. I was like, "You're right." She's like, "Yeah, you're for comedy." No, love, just waiting for a taxi. I was like, "Oh, okay." And it's just, it's just so transient. You don't know what can happen, who can come in, um, but. I enjoy it I, because I, I took that deliberately because I knew it would be a challenge as a way of helping me, you know, because I'd been on gigs before at that stage where maybe the energy of the audience wasn't very good and stuff like that. I knew that I needed to find tools to deal with that. And I'd been with friends who were further down the road than me. They would just spin this set to start doing crowd work and messing about. Um, and I didn't have the confidence in that stage. So that's why I started MCing, just to kind of develop that those skills if I ever do need to just do crowd work and things like that. You can switch. Maybe sometimes, sometimes, especially around here, you go to a gig and you can tell they just want to be roasted. They just want people to take the piss because they really respond to the crowd stuff. But then as soon as you do anything material, anything that's obviously pre-done, the response isn't that much. You know, and, it, and it, I remember starting out a horrible feeling like, oh, I'm just going to get my head down and just plow through my stuff and go home and hate myself and then the guy on after me would just call them all twat for 10 15 minutes and they loved it and, like, you know? <laughs> and it, yeah it's, it's things like that as well i think that's why i like that mc and that was building up those those kind of skills really and just being able to just mess about with the audience and be like in the podcast of yours i listened to earlier with you the guy who was saying that, you know, you need to be happy, you need to be inviting, you need to be like someone that people want to talk to or be around. And I think that's it and stuff. And it is a different set of skills. I think not everybody can do it. I don't think I'm particularly amazed now. I think I'm, I'm still learning at it, but certainly in the nights that I'm doing, I've got a rapport with the audience there and stuff like that. And that's really nice because I'll know I've done, or I'll be happy with myself when I've emptied. If I've come on and go, well, I have new any kind of material has just literally been messing about with the crowd and it's just been a mess and everyone's had a really good night you know i think that's that's a marker but it'd be interesting to see when i empty somewhere that I've, I've not been before whether i could be pulled back into doing some material again yeah. you know because that's before back in it you know so yeah hmm. now if anyone's listening up here from uh Italy, Jamaica, or China, or anywhere else. Like, what would? How do they find out about you, and why should they do comedy? 
well, it's probably about me on, on Facebook, on Twitter, on, on all the, the usual social media channels, my, my promotion, my comedy brand, if you want to call it that. It's called Laugh Easy Comedy, so I always kind of show the nights we're doing. Um, why should you do comedy? Um, you should do comedy because you have to, because you want to challenge yourself, because you, you, you are a little bit of a narcissist extrovert but maybe you you want to you just want to use that in a, in a positive way and because you like making people laugh and you enjoy it you like me i, I like I, I put comedy i i think comedy to me feels like being in an airport where you're going on holiday because there's all these different people all excited about where they're going and you keep meeting different people along the way and everybody's going somewhere and i love that i love meeting people you know, like when you gig somewhere else and you maybe meet a comic you have met before or they, or you do a, a gig with someone and you haven't gigged with them in ages and you get to catch up and everybody's at different stages. And I, and I like that feeling. Nothing feels stagnant, that nothing feels settled or boring. Things are constantly moving. Perhaps it's something to do with, with, with ADHD about having things happening all the time and that, that, that constant stimulation or that need for it. Well, that's, that's the thing I really enjoy about it. Is, is that kind of nature that things are happening, it's exciting, things are going all the time. I think that if you like that, if you respond to that, and if you get stimulated and, and enthused by things moving quickly and doing things and reacting to things and things not being predictable, then definitely comedy is the definite place you want to be. So I think I look at all the things I like doing and all the things I enjoy doing the most, the things where it's an unpredictable environment. Like I do, I do a lot of whitewater kayaking. And that's really unpredictable because you could drown at any point. You know, but I kind of enjoy it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I think I, 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 that's that's just me. I like, I like unpredictability and and you know the excitement of that. Really, I hate it when it goes wrong. I absolutely hate it when it goes wrong. But I absolutely love it when it goes right. You know, I think that's it. I think the the peaks are better, are worth the trough. Is probably a good way of putting it. You know, um, in as much as it's horrible, I've a three hour trip home and you just bombed on your ass. Oh my god, it's still the next night you have the same thing, but you have a really good night, it just erases all of that, you know. So, I think that, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving him attention, he's, yeah, he's a bit easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! <laughs> now, uh. And no, it's brilliant, man. Well, guys, you know about Chris. Uh, you can also find out about his dog as well. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love it when family and dogs or pets come on a podcast. It adds a bit of spice to it. But yeah. yeah, well, it's just, yeah, because my son's got his friend over and all the hell they do in the other room. I'm glad you can't hear it, but it's just literally screaming. So I'm glad that's not coming to Kids screaming, dogs barking. It doesn't paint a good picture, does it? <laughs> it makes it entertaining. Though. Yeah. But you know where to find out about Chris? Please leave his podcast at Five Star View on Amazon or iTunes. And then the next guest is going to be a guy who seems to be getting a lot of audience members to gigs all on his own without any social media. They're just like friends of his. So, guys, I hope you guys listen to that. And I'll see you guys soon.